0: Well, did you bring a Bible with you? Say amen. Amen. All right, I'm preaching. Y'all bring a Bible, say amen. All right, good deal. Ephesians chapter 4 in your Bibles, if you'll open those up with me. And uh, if you're a guest of ours, we're going verse by verse to this awesome letter written by Paul the Apostle. And uh, as you're opening up your Bible to Ephesians chapter 4, let me just kind of kick it off by asking you a question. Uh, Did you know that God wants you to look good? No, no, that's shocking, isn't it? God wants you to look good. Now, when you and I think about looking good, we think about you know, what we're wearing, our physique, what our hair looks like. That's what we talk about. But if you grew up in church, you know that you've heard it said many times before, God doesn't look at the outward appearance, but he looks at the, what, should, what does He say? what does he look at? The inward appearance, right? So he wants you and I to actually look good on the inside. Now, Paul, the apostle in Ephesians chapter four is actually encouraging us to take off the old life and put on the new life. And whenever he uses this imagery, he's actually using the idea of changing clothes. So your old life is like taking off your old clothes, and your new life is like putting on these new clothes, and that's kind of the picture that's going on here. So this morning, what I want to do is share with you four steps that you and I can take so that we make sure we are putting on the right attire to glorify the Lord so that we can look good. On the inside. So Ephesians chapter four, beginning in verse seventeen. If you'll stand with me and out of God's word, there, you got it there in front of you. Say yes. All right. So the Bible says. So this I say and affirm together with the Lord that you walk no longer just as the Gentiles also walk in the futility of their mind, being darkened in their understanding, excluded from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them, because of the hardness of their heart. And they, having become callous, have given themselves over to sensuality for the practice of every kind of impurity with greediness. But you didn't learn Christ in this way. If indeed you have heard him and have been taught in him just as truth is in Jesus, that in reference to your former manner of life, notice the phrase here, you lay aside the old self, which is being corrupted in accordance with the lust of deceit, and that you be renewed in the spirit of your mind and put on the new self, there's that other phrase, put on the new self, which in the likeness of God has been created in righteousness and holiness of truth. Therefore, laying aside falsehood, speak truth each one with his neighbor, for we are members of one another. Be angry, and yet do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your anger, and do not give the devil an opportunity. He who steals must steal no longer, but rather he must labor, performing with his own hands what is good, so that it will have something to share with one who has need. Let no unwholesome word proceed from your mouth, but only such a word as is good for edification. According to the need of the moment, so that it will give grace to those who hear. Do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God, by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander be put away from you, along with all malice. And be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving each other, just as God in Christ also has forgiven you. Let's bow together. Father, we thank you for your word and pray now that you would use it to wash us clean, make us more like Jesus. Father, help us to understand the principle that we are to get up every day and get dressed so that we look good on the inside. We want to reflect the good news of Jesus Christ in our conversation and our conduct. And we need you by the power of the Holy Spirit to guide us in the truth. And so Lord, I pray specifically for our time together as the word is being preached. Give us ears to hear and lives to obey. And at the same time, Lord, I pray for those who have not yet given their hearts to you. Uh, may, they may know about you, but they don't really know you. God, speak to them and draw them to salvation, and we'll give you glory for it. Now that's in Jesus Christ's name that we pray. And everybody said, amen, amen. So you go ahead and be seated this morning. Well, the text of scripture that I've just read to you today can actually be divided into two major sections Matter of fact in verses 17 all the way through 24 What we have is a general principle being taught by Paul the Apostle He is primarily teaching you and I that we are taking off the old self and we're putting on the new self And then he gets very specific in verses 25 all the way through 32 And he says here is how you need to dress now as a follower of the Lord Jesus Christ Matter of fact, what I want to do this morning is just through introduction, kind of talk to you about the generic verses here in 17 through 24. And then we'll get very specific and give you four ways, four steps you can take to look good on the inside. So look with me at verse 17 as we kind of unpack this together. The Bible says, so this I say and affirm together with the Lord, that you walk no longer just as the Gentiles also walk in the futility of their mind now notice here whenever he uses the word gentiles he's talking about people who do not have a personal relationship with the lord so when he mentions the gentiles that's what he's primarily talking about and he's saying this very clearly He's saying look you should not walk like an unbeliever any longer if you know the lord jesus christ and then he kind of lays out here how unbelievers walk he says they walk in the futility of their mind This means that those who don't know God, they actually have attitudes that pursue empty and worthless activities. And isn't that true? I mean, you know people, right, who don't have a relationship with the Lord. Uh, What are they living for? I mean, what are they really going after? If you don't have a relationship with Christ, what's your purpose? Well, your purpose ultimately is to pursue things that really have no lasting value. And, of course, have no eternal value. But why do they do that? You ever ask that? Why do people without Jesus, why do they just kind of throw themselves into living by the motto, you know, he who dies with the most toys wins? Why do they live in that fashion? Well, he says here in verse 18, they're darkened in their mind and their understanding, excluded from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them, because of the hardness of their heart. Now, what does this do? It speaks to the fact that they are darkened. That, that means they are unable, check this out, they are unable to perceive the truth about God in Christ, and they are excluded. Excluded from what? They're excluded from a life of abundance with the Lord Jesus, and they are excluded from life eternal in heaven with the Lord Jesus Christ. And that's a life literally in contrast to living a life of great value and living one that is actually fulfilling. And they're left out because they have chosen to be ignorant whenever it comes to a relationship with God. And they stubbornly refuse to listen and to learn. You know, the reality is there are times when we share the gospel with people. And I can recall sharing Jesus with individuals and they, in stubbornness of heart, just simply reject the truth. They they refuse to listen. They refuse to learn. Even some who have said, you know, Levi, I think maybe you got some facts there, but I'm not so certain. And I'm like, well, find out. And yet they refuse to learn. And they do this according to the scripture in verse 19 because they have become callous. They're callous in heart. They've given themselves over to sensuality for the practice of every kind of impurity with greediness. Now, the idea here of becoming callous, it speaks to the reality that those who live a life without the Lord Jesus Christ enter into a place in their rebellion where they actually no longer have shame about their sin. They're no longer embarrassed about their life choices. They're no longer embarrassed about their immoral lives. In fact, it reminds me of the prophet Jeremiah. In Jeremiah chapter 8, he actually said that the people were living in such a way that they no longer had the ability to blush. That just means they were no longer embarrassed. It's like they could care less what anybody else thought about their lives. They have chosen immorality. They have chosen to live in rebellion to God, and now they are past feeling bad about it. They've become calloused in their hearts. And interestingly, Paul says that they Practice every kind of impurity and greediness. That word practice is also used uh, in the Greco Roman world, the Greco woman. Y'all with me? Say amen. All right. (laughs) But anyway, it's also used in that particular world uh, to describe business. So it's like this, before you came to faith in Jesus, what did you live for? Well, you lived for yourself. You lived to kind of gather as much as you possibly could. And as a result, when you lived apart from God, you were in the business of living without him. And that's what he's describing here. And Paul's saying, listen, you guys in Ephesus, if you've come to faith in Jesus Christ, you don't live like that anymore. Your life is radically different. And it's amazing, those who don't have a relationship with the Lord, they continue to be filled up with this greedy aspect in their life. That's what Paul says. They're practicing this life, but they are still greedy. It means they're practicing, trying to satisfy their lives, but they're never satisfied. And so they become even greater in their greed, desiring to get more and to get more and to get more, because they're trying to satisfy something on the inside how many of you know the only person who can satisfy that longing is the Lord Jesus Christ? Amen? And so some people are just flat out missing him. But by the way, listen, this is pretty good. If you are here today and you don't know Jesus Christ, but you have this longing on the inside that just cannot get filled. Listen, God put that in you. He did, and I know what, I know. in our minds we think, well, let me go find some stuff to try to, you know, feel this discontent that I got going on, and you, you just realize that once you try to, it you may soothe it for a little bit, but then it just shows back up, and then you're greedy again. It soothes it for a little bit, it's greedy again. The reason that's there is because the Lord wants a relationship with you, and whenever you come to faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, that's when you experience the greatest satisfaction. Now listen, every single person you've heard it before has a hole in their heart only meant for God. And if you're trying to fill it with anything else but God, you're going to check up empty and come out greedy, desiring more. And that's what Paul says. He's like, that's how you used to live. Don't live like that anymore. Verse 20 and 22, Paul transitions to say, but you did not learn Christ in this way. If indeed you have heard him and have been taught in him, just as truth is in Jesus, that in reference to your former manner of life, you laid aside the old self, which is being corrupted in accordance with lust of deceit. So Paul here is describing the empty life of those who are without Jesus. And he says, but that's not your life. You've got this brand new life in the Lord Jesus Christ. And when it comes to how you used to live, put that away, Paul says. And he's using that imagery of changing clothes. Take off those old clothes. Paul says uh, that former life is being corrupted. Now think about that. That's pretty interesting to me. right? He's saying that your old life is corrupted. If you can imagine that your old life is like an old set of clothes If you put an old set of clothes in the attic for a while, they begin to do what? They begin to rot. They begin to deteriorate, right? And this is what happens with the life without the Lord. Those who don't have a personal relationship with the Lord, their life is rotting. Those clothes are unsatisfying. Those clothes are only going away, and you without the Lord are going away with them. But what's awesome here is that the Bible says, and check this out, you and I have a new life in Christ. We got a brand new wardrobe the day we gave our heart to Jesus. And what's awesome about this is that the old is rotting, but the new clothes, they get newer every day. Y'all didn't hear the preacher. Y'all did not hear the preacher. They get newer every day. You, You go and buy clothes, right? You get a new outfit. Guess what? As soon as you get home, it starts getting old, doesn't it? But those clothes you got in the Lord Jesus Christ, when He gives you the they don't get old, they get newer. That's, that's the process of sanctification. And then ultimately you're gonna be glorified in the presence of God. That's when your outfit's gonna be pristine. All right. Did y'all come for church today? What did y'all come for? I mean, you know, I'm trying to preach a little bit. Pretty awesome stuff here. All right, those clothes are rotting. Now, verse 23 says, and that you re- renewed in the spirit of your mind. Now, this is Paul's way of saying that you have to retrain your brain. You've got to think differently about what you're wearing now. In verse 24 it says, put on the new self, which in the likeness of God has been created in righteousness and holiness of the truth. So you and I, as followers of Jesus, have to retrain our brains. We've got to get dressed in our new life. Our new life is not created for unrighteousness and unholy living. Our new life is created for righteousness and holiness, In other words, you were recreated by Jesus so that you could look good on the inside. And now Paul moves from that general section in 17 verses all the way through uh, verse 24 to now very specific in 25 through 32. And here's what I want you to do. I want you to jot down these four steps. These four steps that you can take to look good on the inside. I want it for you. God wants it for you even more. All right? So jot this very first one down. You got to be genuine with one another. You just got to be genuine with one another. I love this. The Bible says here, verse 25, therefore laying aside falsehood, speak truth each one of you with his neighbor for we are members of one another. Now in short here, you know what Paul's saying? Look at the preacher eyeball to eyeball. Here's what he's saying. He said, Hey, if you're a follower of Jesus, stop lying. Don't lie to each other, but instead speak the truth. You know, it kind of reminds me, whenever you go overseas or maybe travel into a new area, they have their own language. And if you were gonna live there, you gotta learn that language. Well, whenever you came to faith in Jesus Christ, you were taken out of the kingdom of darkness, placed in the kingdom of light, and now you have this new language as a kingdom citizen. And that language is no longer lying, but telling the truth. You know, lying is speaking that which is wrong in efforts to deceive. The Bible tells you and I that the father of lies is the devil. And the Bible also tells you and I that hell is actually prepared for those who are liars. It says that in Revelation chapter 22, verse 15, that liars will have their place in the lake of fire. See, the language of the kingdom of darkness is lying. That's where you used to live. But now that you've come to faith in Jesus Christ, quit putting that shirt of lying on. And start putting on that shirt of the truth. And notice here, uh, Paul mentions that we are members of one another in that verse. I love that. It harkens our attention back to the reality of the unity that we are to experience in the church. And there's no doubt, lying will destroy unity. So whenever it comes to how you interact with others, you got to make sure you're telling the truth. Jesus encourages us to let our yes be yes and our no be no. In other words, if you tell somebody you're going to do something, then make sure you do it. That's what being a person of character and integrity is all about. If you tell somebody you're going to be there, be there. If you tell somebody you're going to do it, then do it. If you make a commitment to someone, make sure that you keep your commitments. Let your yes be yes and your no be no. You know, lying can show up, by the way, in many different forms. If you withhold the truth for whatever reason, well, that's lying by omission. Matter of fact, lying can be found in exaggerating. Lying can be found in flattery. Lying can be found in all forms of excuses that are made. Lying also occurs whenever we slander other people or we spread gossip about somebody. Listen, if you come to church and hide from people and you never allow others to actually see the real you, guess what you're doing? You're lying. You're coming into church, but you're putting on a mask. And Jesus had something very strong to say about that. He says, quit being a hypocrite. A hypocrite, that's the word from uh, that language that describes an actor on stage. He says, quit acting. Be genuine with each other. So this is our calling. If we want to put on the new self, we've got to make sure we're speaking truth to each other. Amen? Amen. Here's the second step, all right? You've got to be angry for the right reasons. Be angry for the right reasons. Look at verse 26 in your Bible. The Bible says, be angry and yet do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your anger and do not give the devil an opportunity. Now check this out, there's a righteous anger, and there's also an unrighteous anger, unrighteous. Y'all with me say amen? All right, there's righteous indignation, there's unrighteous indignation. And the anger here that you and I are called to express is the right kind of anger. This is an anger that is against anything that hinders the ministry of people connecting with God. Y'all with me say yes? Anything that hinders people from connecting with God should fire us up with great anger. That should make us angry. Matter of fact, it reminds me of Jesus. Jesus walked into the temple on one occasion. And the Bible tells us that he expressed great anger. And the reason that he did is because there were individuals in the temple who had turned it into a place to make money off of others. Let me kind of give you the scenario If you lived in that particular day, you and your family perhaps lived outside of Jerusalem, but you were traveling into Jerusalem for a time of worship, and you would travel a great distance. And so whenever you came, you'd have to bring your sacrificial animal to be presented to the priest. And so what would happen is you would come in with your sacrificial animal, you would show it to the priest, but the priest were kind of in cohorts with others who were making money inside the house of God. And so what the priests would do is they would look at your sacrificial animal and they would find something wrong with it, maybe even make something up so that you were unable to use that animal and then you had to actually purchase an animal. Now the amazing thing is that they began to set up all of these booths to sell these animals and what did they do? They price gouged everybody and it fired Jesus up. Matter of fact, you, you think about it. It's like when you go to the airport. You ever been to the airport and it's like, do they not know how much tuna sandwiches really cost, like in the real world? You know, what I mean? no, they have you caught right there and they're like tuna sandwich, twenty two dollars. Right? They're price gouging us. I just thought maybe we should picket them. Y'all with me say amen? I'm just kidding. I'm against picketing, but I don't know how to show it. It'll get there. But that's what they do. They're price gouging people in the temple. So what does Jesus do? Jesus gets fired up. He takes a whip, turns over all the money changers' tables, and he drives those people outside of the house of God. And then what does he say? The Father's house is a house of prayer. So what happens there? He got angry because there were individuals keeping others from connecting with God. That is righteous anger. That's the kind of anger that you and I are called to express. That is being angry for the right reason. Now, many believe that Paul moves from anger for the right reasons to anger for the wrong reasons. When he says there in our text, don't let the sun go down on your anger. Uh, that is, don't go to bed seething with unrighteous anger. You see, even righteous anger can turn into unrighteous anger if it's not dealt with properly. Listen, you've got to make sure that you're in control of your anger and your anger is not in control of you. Matter of fact, you've seen people walking dogs before, maybe in your neighborhood, and sometimes you ask, uh, who's really walking who? You ever seen a dog like this, right? We've got somebody trying to train a dog in our neighborhood, and the woman's like getting drug all over the place, right? That's what happens. When anger gets a hold of you, that's when you begin to fly off the handle and act in an unrighteous fashion. And uh, we've got to make sure that we don't do that. The Bible says here that we shouldn't go to bed angry at others angry by the way here for the wrong reason speaks of being angry for your own cause not for the cause of christ being angry for what has happened to you not what has happened to god john MacArthur notes and i like this quote he see he says uh be angry for what happens toward god but don't be angry about what happens towards you y'all with me say yes Doesn't that happen so often? Like when you really get fired up angry about something, isn't it typical because of something somebody did to you? Unrighteous anger. When we go to bed with unrighteous anger, whether it be toward our spouse, whether it be toward somebody in our small group here at church, whether it be toward somebody in our fellowship, the Bible says we're giving the devil an opportunity. Some translations say that you are giving the devil a foothold. Now imagine that for just a moment. When you go to bed angry, you're actually giving the devil a place where he can put his foot into your life and be lodged there, and then you are supporting the devil running all over your life. That's what happens when you are angry and go to bed angry. It's like you're inviting the enemy into your life, inviting him to wreak havoc. And before you know it, your anger becomes bitterness, it becomes resentment. It becomes wrath. And Paul says, look, you got to be angry for the right reasons. you got to quit being angry because of what's happened to you. Be angry only when it keeps people from connecting with God. That's what should fire you up. Everybody with me say yes? All right, so here's the third one. Uh, don't take away from others, add to them. Don't take away from others, add to them. Look at verse 28 in your Bible. The Bible says, he who steals must steal no longer. But rather, he must labor, performing with his own hands what is good, so that he will have something to share with one who has need. Now, uh, y'all know what stealing is. I went to seminary to figure this out. Y'all with me say yes? Uh, Stealing primarily means to take things that are not yours. Aren't y'all glad y'all came to figure that out? That's what stealing is. However, stealing can come in many forms. Listen, you can actually steal by not paying your bills. So if you're like, I'm not paying this bill, well, you thief. You can steal by taking money but not doing or completing a job So check this out if you're a follower of jesus christ and you've been paid to do a job But you don't complete it, but you got the money you're a thief And the lord's like hey, that's not how you live as a follower of christ. Don't be that way It ruins your testimony for jesus christ in the community You can steal from your employer by being lazy Paul says don't be a thief instead. He says work hard You know what that means? It means uh, work hard, earn wages. And I love what he does. It's like earn wages for your hard work, not from stealing with others, stealing from others or with them. Don't steal with them either. Y'all with me? Yeah. Now this is interesting. What what do you call somebody who takes a lot of stuff? I mean, I know you call them a thief, but how do you describe them oftentimes? We say they got sticky, sticky fingers. Y'all ever know somebody like that? Do y'all know if people like this? Are they sitting next to you? No, I'm just kidding. They got sticky fingers, right? Got to watch out for them. So so I love what Paul says. He's like, hey, listen, uh, make sure you're not stealing from others, but work hard with your hands so that you can be generous to those who are in need. Now, that's an awesome truth, isn't it? So don't live life with sticky fingers. Live life with open hands so that you are there to meet the needs of those around you. And it's true, man. There are going to be people in your small group, people here at church who have needs in their life that are legitimate and listen if you're working hard and you're seeking to provide for your family and then you have the ability to be generous then you should be generous you should do that to help meet the needs of those around us so paul saying he's like that's the community of faith that's where we need to live now and then the fourth thing you do here fourth step you can take is uh speak words of life to one another look at ephesians 4 29 the bible says uh, let no unwholesome word proceed from your mouth But only such a word as is good for edification, according to the need of the moment, so that it will give grace to those who hear. Now, I love this. The words that we speak to one another hold extreme weight. In fact, according to Proverbs 18, 21, they can be words of life, or they can also be words of death. Words of death tear other people down. Words of life actually build other people up. Larry Crabb writes it like this, quote, and I want you to listen closely because this is huge. He says, nothing less is required of us than that every word out of our mouths be consistent with the purpose of building up our listeners. God calls us to ruthless examination. That's pretty huge, isn't it? Every word that comes out of your mouth, you got to say, is this a brick that's going to build their lives or is this a bomb that's going to destroy them? How am I speaking to them? Am I speaking words of death or am I speaking words of life? And listen, that can be applied anywhere, but that can be applied in your home, so listen, if you're a husband here today and you're speaking in such a way as to tear your wife down, that's not what believers do. So if you're acting like that, you need to repent of that. you got to take that shirt off, man. you got to start putting on a shirt that reflects Jesus. You speak in a way that brings life to your spouse. And same thing, wife, if you're here and you're talking in such a way to your husband so as to tear him down and make him feel less of a man, you've got to repent and get over that. You've got to stop doing it. That's not what believers do. And then the same parents, if you're speaking to your kids in such a way as to tear them down and not build them up, you got to stop it. That's not what believers do. And then the same thing if you're here in this church. Y'all with me saying that? If you're here in this church and you're a follower of Jesus Christ and you hear somebody's name brought up in conversation, you got to make sure that you're speaking words of life about that person. And you're not trying to bring those people down. Listen, that, that's not what believers do. Followers of Jesus don't act like that. That's what Paul's saying. Don't y'all like simple preaching? Say yes. People don't act like that when they follow Jesus. It's pretty huge here. Now, notice here what verse 30 says, because this is pretty awesome. He says, do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Now, I want you to look at me eyeball to eyeball. The Holy Spirit of God, the Holy Spirit of God is third person of the Trinity, takes up residence in your life at the moment of your conversion. Whenever you are filled with the Holy Spirit of God, that means you're being controlled by the Spirit of God. But the scripture says here, don't grieve the Holy Spirit. Grief is uh, what happens when a person loses a loved one. They grieve when death arrives. It's what happens whenever relationships are broken. There's grief that occurs. That's, That's grief. So he says here, don't grieve the Holy Spirit who lives within you. All right. So how do you grieve the Holy Spirit? Here's how you do it. You speak words that destroy others. The Holy Spirit's role in your life is to build others up through you. The Holy Spirit builds you up. He matures you in your faith. Then when the Holy Spirit is in control of your life, He uses you to build others up. But whenever you speak in such a way as to tear others down, you're doing something contrary to the very nature of the Spirit of God who lives within you. You're not speaking life, you're speaking death. And then as a result, when death is spoken out of your mouth, the Spirit of God is grieved. When you speak in such a way to tear others apart, the Holy Spirit is grieved. Because the Holy Spirit not only is using you to build others up, but the Holy Spirit is also using you to bring unity in the body. But when you speak in such a way as to separate, that grieves the Spirit. And when the Holy Spirit is genuinely grieved in the life of a believer, the follower of Jesus becomes miserable. See, the Holy Spirit, when he is grieved, It causes the follower of Jesus to be grieved as well, which ultimately should lead to repentance. In verse 31, he lays it out here. He's like, okay, so here's the deal. Don't grieve the Spirit of God. Here's what I want you to do. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander be put away from you along with all malice. Now, here's what I want to do, okay? I'm going to give these uh, definitions to you of all these words, but, but I want you to do this. I want you to really look in the mirror and ask yourself, am I wearing this in my life? I mean, is this is this true of me? Because if it is, what the Lord is saying is like, you got to take off those clothes. You got to repent of that. You got to put on the right kind of clothes. All right. So let me kind of give these to you and listen. Don't think about other people. Think about yourself. Don't be like, oh, I wish so and so were here to hear this. No, you're here. Y'all with me? All right. So here here's the first one. Bitterness. What is bitterness? Well, that's a state of sharp, intense hatred. It's resenting someone. for what they did or did not do, right? and some of you may have that. You're wearing that shirt. And you got resentment. You got bitterness in your life. looks like you got to stop that. You got to take that shirt off. That's not what the followers of Jesus do. And then wrath. It's passionate outburst towards someone. This is when you um, just go crazy on somebody, screaming and hollering and acting like a crazy person. And then there's anger. It's blowing your top, looking for an argument. Listen, any. Husbands in the house who, who act that way with their wives. It's like when you come in, you're always looking for an argument. Man, that's not what followers of Jesus do. Stop it. you got to repent of that. Here's the other one. Clamorous sound of shouting, but not when you're preaching, though. Amen? But it's the sound of shouting. It's the sound of crying out towards others. And then slander is speaking about others in a way to harm or to hinder their reputation. And this is huge, right? And I share with our first service, this is one that the Lord's convicted me of slander, that I've often put that shirt on and slandered. And here's how I've done it, all right? So people in the church, they'll come to me and they'll ask me about another preacher. And they'll say, Levi, have you ever heard of preacher so and so? And they'll kind of name their names. And here, here's what I found myself doing. And I had to repent of this, and the Lord's helping me through it. But I used to, uh, regardless of what preacher you brought up, I would find something wrong with him to tell you about him. Are y'all listening? So it's like, oh, yeah, he's all right here, but did you know? And I'd throw something out there. Did you know what he believes about the end time? You you don't even care. But what I'm trying to do is I'm bringing that person down. I'm destroying that person in your presence. That's what I'm trying to do. And really, the bottom line is I'm just afraid you're going to like that dude more than you like me. That's what the bottom line is. And that's just flat-out sin. So I'm getting over that. After the first service, somebody came up and said, have you ever heard of? And they named a preacher. And I was like, Lord, help me. You know what I mean? Because here's the deal. Now, just just so you're aware, it doesn't mean if you ask me about a preacher and he teaches false theology that I shouldn't point that out. Because that's my role, right? I need to do that. You need to do that to help others in the body, right? There are always going to be wolves in sheep clothing. So when there's false theology, it's like, you better point it out. But uh, stuff I was pointing out, that wasn't false theology. It was just being a punk. I was being a punk. Are y'all... Are y'all listening to what I'm saying? I mean, it is. That's what it is. All right, so that's slander. And then malice. Malice is hostility laced with a desire to harm someone. Malice is the, it's when you get to a point and you're like, I dare that dude to get close to me and see if I don't punch him in the mouth. That's what malice is. And listen, if you're like that, you got to stop that, man. That is not what Jesus died for you to live like verse 32 he says here's how you should live be kind to one another tender hearted forgiving each other just as God in Christ also has forgiven you so be kind it means uh, I'm here to serve you be tender-hearted Uh, this is the attitude that says I genuinely care about you and then uh, be forgiving that is I I want unity with you and the very fact that God has made unity with us through his son should motivate us to be individuals who fight to maintain unity with one another Look, Jesus died so that you could be brought together with God and so that you could also be brought together as a family. And so we should fight for unity. And here's the thing. You and I need to have this phenomenal desire in our heart to see other people be developed spiritually in their walks with Christ. That shouldn't just be the preacher's desire. It's like preacher desires for the church to grow spiritually. Yes, but that should be your desire too. So let's check this out. When you, as a husband, really have a desire to see your wife grow spiritually, guess what you're going to do? You're going to make sure that you're kind towards her, you're not malicious. You're going to make sure that you're tender hearted towards her, not unforgiving or bitter. You're going to seek to make sure that you're speaking words of life to her, not words of death. And listen, when you have that attitude in the body of Christ too, in your small groups, and you see somebody in your small group, and you really desire for that person to grow, it's going to change how you speak to them. Here's what I've learned. When you don't care about another person's spiritual development, you'll say anything negative about them. That person you're ragging or talking junk about is somebody you obviously could care less about their spiritual development. But listen, Jesus so longs for you to grow in your faith. I so long for you to grow in your faith. I want you to long for me to grow in my faith. So let's speak to each other in such a way that we build each other up and not destroy each other. It's pretty massive. Now, did you notice anything common in all four of these steps? And I'm going to put them all back up here on the screen for you so you can see every single one of them, but check them out again. Notice any commonalities. All right, be genuine towards one another. Be angry for the right reasons. Don't take from others, add to them. Speak words of life to one another. Check this out. Here's what they all have in common. They all have in common the supposed fact that you are in community with other believers that you're joined to the family of God listen as a follower of Jesus you cannot isolate yourself from his family listen as iron sharpens iron so one man sharpens another well you can't be sharpened if you're not around other believers So you've got to find a place to get plugged into. And then as you get plugged in, then you're genuine towards one another. Then as you're plugged in, you're angry for the right reasons. As you're plugged in, you're not taking from others, you're adding to them. As you're plugged in, you're speaking words of life to those people. Listen, that happens in connection with other people. But if you continue to remain unconnected, then you're missing out on your spiritual development and missing out on helping the spiritual development of others. So huge, man. This is what Paul says, take off the old, put on the new. Amen? Let's bow together. If your head's bowed, your eyes closed, I just want to walk through these with you. And I want you to pray into your life what God has taught you today. No more lying, only truth-telling, seeking to be genuine towards each other. if you're living a lie or lying to somebody... Would you just mentally, in prayer, take off that garment of lying, put on the garment of truth? If you're here today and you're angry but for the wrong reasons, listen, you got to take that off. you got to make that right. Quit going to bed with anger in your heart. Here's the other, are you seeking to be a generous person, living a generous life towards others? Pray that in. Then what about your speech? Are you speaking in such a way as to build others up? Father, I thank you for what we've learned through the scripture this morning. I pray now that by the power of your spirit, you would Cleanse us and help us to continually make sure we're not wearing garments of the old life, shirts, or even socks of the old life, but putting on the new life. Tender hearts, kindness, truth telling, edification, building you up. Lord, help us to wear those together. And may you be glorified. With your heads bowed, your eyes closed. Listen, the primary portion of this message is to followers of Jesus. But some of you here today are not followers of Jesus yet. But here's what I want you to know, all right? So with your heads bowed, your eyes closed, I want you to know that God created you to have a relationship with him. And the very fact that you just can't get satisfaction and contentment in your life is, a, is just a reality that you are actually created for something other than this world. Listen, if this world is not sufficient to satisfy you, it just points to the fact that you weren't created for this world. You were created for another one. And you are. You were created to know God and live with him forever. But what separates you from God is the same thing that separated me, and that's sin. The Bible says we've all sinned and fallen short of God's standard. And the payment of our sin is death, so we deserve to spend eternity separated from God in hell for our sin. But the good news is that God so loved us that the Bible says God sent his son Jesus to die on the cross for us, to bear the punishment that we deserve in his own body. And then he was raised again. That if you'll turn from your sin and trust in Jesus this morning, you can be saved, forgiven of your sin. Let me put it to you like this in in framework of what we've been talking. When you give your heart to Jesus, the Lord gives you a brand new wardrobe. That's it, man. He wants you to dress differently. He wants you to look good on the inside. But you can't do that apart from him. You need him. And for some of you, that's it. That's what you need to do. You just need to give your heart to Jesus. So right where you are, if you'll just pray something like this in your heart, as I pray out loud, just say, Lord, I'm a sinner and need forgiveness. So I'm turning from my old life now and placing my trust in you. Thank you for dying for me and getting up from the dead. Now help me to live unashamed of who you are. And with your head bowed, your eyes closed this morning. If that's your prayer, the first step of obedience is baptism. And we'd love to set up a time for you to be baptized in the days ahead. So if you gave your heart to Jesus, in a moment when we stand to our feet, you come forward. I'll be here in the front. Others, we want to pray for you, help you along in your walk with Christ. God may be calling you to join this church body. You're like, I want to get plugged in here. When you get plugged in, we'd love to have you and see you grow. And Father, we give you the invitation now. and pray that you'd work as you see fit. And that's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. Let's stand to our feet while we sing you come this morning if God's calling you.